Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by ListenNotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We're so blessed that you're going to join us. Now, before we get started, today's interview is going to tread into a very sensitive area, and we'll be discussing pornography addictions, and that may be an area that some may find a little sensitive. So if you have young ones around, you may want to pause this until you're able to listen without worrying about the little ones. Yes, it's going to be that kind of interview. Amen. Today's guest is Isaiah Cruz. He's a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner specializing in addiction medicine. He's been helping people, mainly men, to overcome pornography using medication. You know, porn addiction is probably the most prevalent addiction in the United States, but it's also the greatest addiction not being talked about. It's possible you sit next to someone at work or on the bus or even at church that has a problem with pornography. Yes, it's that prevalent, but that's what we're here to discuss today. Help me welcome to the program. Isaiah Cruz. Isaiah, thank you for taking the time to join us today and discuss this very sensitive topic that affects so many people. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk with you. Amen. Now, the first question I always start with is this. Other than that brief information I just shared, can you tell us in your own words, who is Isaiah Cruz? Oh, (laughs) well, uh, let's see. I am a Christian. I am a father of four daughters, married um, and married with four daughters. Uh, Like you said, I'm a nurse practitioner. Uh, I do addiction medicine and have been doing addiction medicine for about the last six years now. And uh, excited to to be on the show with you and talk more about uh, what we do. Amen. How old are your daughters? Uh, Two, seven, eight, and 11. Amen. Amen. I had two, two daughters. Mm-hmm. So, and we'll talk more about that after the recording. <laughs> Give me some tips. <laughs> All right. Well, let me get started with this question right up front, because most porn addicts are males, but are there right. female porn addicts as well? Absolutely. Yeah. So some of the, the staggering statistics in the last six months, 98% of men have watched porn. Mm. which is astounding. Wow. But yeah. in those last six months, about 60% of women have watched porn. So wow. it's not just a man's problem. Mm. Wow. I didn't know it was that many. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Because I remember, you know, growing up back in the seventies, if, you know, someone, you know, if a, you know, I won't mention anyone in particular, but if a teenager wanted to go look at porn, uh, he had to go to the local corner convenience store. We didn't even have 7-Elevens back then, right? right. And uh, hang around the magazine rack till nobody was near you, then grab a magazine and flip through it. You know, mm-hmm. At least that's what I was told they were doing. So, right. uh, you know, <laughs> but today porn's available basically everywhere, even on your phone, right? Yeah. How has this availability affected our society today? Yeah, I call it the three A's, the affordability, availability, and anonymity. Uh, Mm. So those three create the perfect storm for 
an addiction. You're, you're right. Like when, when we were growing up, it was, uh, it was the adult magazines of topless women, yeah. like, which, which isn't great, but compared to the porn that it's available to the children now, mm. it, it's night and day difference. Yeah. And uh, in, in order to watch, to get a hold of, uh, get a hold of a dirty magazine, you would have to go to that weird uncle's house or that gas station or, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, once a week or, or once a month, try to find some place to, to get a magazine. Well, now it's anytime you have an internet connection mm. and, and the average age of first exposure to pornography is 11 years old. Oh my goodness. And it's astounding. And um, so, and it's not just 11. So, so out of all the children who watch porn uh, under 18, 22% are consumed by, uh, nine and 10 year olds. Oh, wow. Uh, yes. Wow. So, and, and it even starts as young as eight. So, um, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely available to the children. And, and that's one thing that I'm interested in, in uh, creating a, a, a intervention for. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm an, I'm a started as a nurse, so uh, I believe it's Under Armour who gave the nurses discount. So so I was like, all right, to get to get my Under Armour nurses discount, I had to go to ID.me, which I had to submit my nursing license, I had to submit my government ID, I had to give them my name, my address, everything. Then they gave me this code. Then I had to go to the, the website and put it in. Why don't they have that for the adult the adult websites where yeah. they had to verify your identity before entering, verify your age, and that will that will help save a lot of children. Yeah, amen. You know the, I guess because they don't want to. Have oh yeah, to, you know absolutely that. You know, yeah. I mean, there... it, it's I've no I know that you know it's one of the most. Uh, profitable things on the internet which is one of the reasons there's so many sites out there yeah Uh, you know but i don't know how we could combat that Mm -hmm. you know i mean yeah we can download software that blocks it from our computers at home and things like that Mm -hmm. but you know when little johnny goes over to billy's house and billy says hey watch this you know Mm -hmm. how do how do you know like i said I, i don't know how they could limit that so that it's not that available i mean have you in your travels uh found any way that that could be sustainable you know and then i guess you got to look at it from the process of you know our government may limit it but if all the other countries in the world don't you know i mean that's one thing about the internet is we can go anywhere at any time right yeah so um what kind of what I just said, there's I believe there's a country in Europe. I can't remember which one it was, but they did the exact same thing where they you had to verify a person's age before entering an adult website. Mm-hmm. And that I think that will work for most cases. Now, if a if a child is motivated to get onto the internet in, in Canada or Mexico, they can. They can get a VPN and they can do that. But for the most, the average person, uh, I, I believe it'll be more difficult to because our internet, the, the U.S. internet, does block. Typically, will block outside sites mm-hmm. and um, out of country. So I think that is a start. There's no way we're ever going to to get away with. Uh, burn all access to porn and it's just not realistic but if we can create some better barriers to the children uh, at minimum to the children but also to the adults yeah, yeah, who, who aren't interested because you do stumble upon it you do type in something and, and innocent and something something weird comes up and uh, how did i get here oh yeah i remember one time 
this is way back in the mid 90s i guess it was when i first got my first computer at home <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> one of those things right and uh i can't remember what i was gonna do but i was gonna i was contacting the white house about something oh we're holding a meeting and we're trying to see if the president would come speak at the, the meeting is what it was so i typed in whitehouse.com that was not the white house nope. <laughs> <laughs> that was not the white house and, uh, Oops. You know, and, and i was like how could they do that but then i figured out it was whitehouse.gov you know, ah, gotcha. so, yeah, but that's what I say. You type something in, you know, innocent yeah. and, and boom, there it is. You know? Yeah. Uh, wow. Now, many people believe the United States is the leading cause of pornography addiction in the world, mainly because of Hollywood and the liberal theology that promotes these things, you know, things that God clearly says he hates. And do you have any statistics as that relates to pornography? Uh, I, I just, uh, I do have some statistics about the U S I don't really have a whole lot on the, on the worldwide. Um, as far as the United States, pornography is a third most common form of sex trafficking. Mm. Um, according to the national human trafficking hotline in the U S wow. here. Yeah. So I, I, I often use that one, uh, for, cause I've been on a couple of other podcasts that aren't necessarily Christian. And, and one of the hosts was like, there's nothing wrong with pornography. I watch pornography occasionally. Like it, it's not, not horrible. And I was like, yeah, I'm not here to tell you pornography is right or wrong. That's not my job. But then I was like the statistic, like there's a chance that some people you watched on the internet, aren't there willingly? Like, how does that make you feel? Are you okay with that? And of course, we changed the subject shortly after because oh, of course. most people aren't aren't okay with that. And then, then you're faced with the truth. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not okay with that. Wow. Wow. So pornography is not a victimless crime. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing I, I, I get is what's wrong with pornography? It's not hurting anybody. The people are there willingly. And uh, well, according to the national um human trafficking hotline that's not necessarily the case that people aren't there willingly and and then even if people aren't forced there then you have to have uh talk about consent is it was the consent coerced was there any um substances involved um was the person under the influence of substances when they consented mm. and then then the idea of if this actor or actresses would be homeless or without any money for food if they didn't do this video, well, yeah. then you're kind of stumbling onto like prostitution and, and the ethics behind that. So uh, you have that as, as, as one of the main crimes, but also um, nine out of 10 pornography videos have aggression or violence towards women. Oh, wow. So that is a huge step backwards for women in general, yeah. because it's teaching. And, and as we talked about the, the children, and teenagers, young adults will get their sexual education from pornography. Mm -hmm. So it's telling the women that it's okay to have, uh, to have aggression towards you during sex. And it's telling the young men that it's okay, that women like this, it's okay. Mm -hmm. And that's just not the case. Mm. Wow. Well, we mentioned human trafficking a minute ago. Can you share information on, on how porn relates to, you know, you think of human trafficking and you think about, you know, someone being kidnapped and taken to another country and things like this, but, but how does that relate to pornography? Yeah. Well, uh, it can go, 
on a sliding scale, anything from what you just said, yeah, people can get kidnapped from another country. And because this is the World Wide Web, you, you, somebody can record a video on their phone in, in India and upload it to mm. the sites here in the United States. So that is possible. And that's like the traditional sex trafficking. But uh, also, you have uh, the influence of a producer or a, a, a person who has sway over people influencing the younger women to perform in these videos in exchange for a promise of fame or a promise of uh of money or a promise of whatever just like uh some of the the coaches have sways over their students a lot of these producers may have some sway over their their clients that um can influence them in a negative way to perform things that they're not okay doing and that is still considered an abuse of power and that can and and that could be like I said, it's kind of a sliding scale. It can go from one extreme to another. Mm. How are children affected by pornography, like in their minds and things like that? Yeah. So, uh, in, in um in general, so there's there's been several studies since brain imaging came out, you know, 20, 30 years ago about images of the brain in regards to addictions. So. CAT scan of the brain and a CAT scan of an addict's brain, they physically look different. There's changes in the prefrontal cortex and the executive functions um, and the decision-making. And, and there's a lot of changes that go on uh, because of what they call it neuroplasticity. So CAT scan of a, a cocaine addict's brain and a porn addict's brain are almost identical in the changes that it makes. So pornography is, is some people consider it more addictive than cocaine because of the availability and the affordability, because it does the yeah. same thing to the brain, but it's free. And mm. it's not as frowned upon as a street drug is because most people do consume porn. So those changes are magnified in children because children's brains, uh, your brain really isn't fully developed to around the age of 25. Mm. So you have these uh, neural pathways being distorted at, at a younger age and it is harder for a person to come back from that. So what happens, there's a couple of di different things that happens. One thing I like to talk about is dopamine downregulation. So you watch pornography, you get a spike of dopamine. Your brain likes it. So it creates a pathway to think about doing that activity again because it liked it. You do that hundreds of times and then thousands of times. And then that's all a person can think about. You get a compulsive, um, a compulsion to watch porn. Mm -hmm. Well, those, those spikes of dopamine, your body almost built a tolerance to it. So yeah. when, when you go to hug a loved one, uh, a family member, you, you release dopamine. But if your brain is so used to a really high spike of dopamine from porn, this small amount of dopamine you get from hugging your family member really isn't going to bring you much joy and much pleasure. Yeah. So then the chronic porn user ends up becoming more and more depressed, more and more anxious because of that. Yeah. When uh, as police officer, you know, we learned about drug addictions and, and things like that. And in uh, law enforcement parlance, they call it chasing the tail of the dragon. You know, mm -hmm. where the the person, the first time they use heroin or cocaine or whatever, you're like, right. wow, man, this was great, you know, yeah. but they could never attain that level again. Right. You know, every time they take it, it it's a, a lower, a lower hit. But at the same time, if you think of a parabolic curve, you know, the high was here, the low is the way down here. Mm -hmm. And that the next time they use it, you know, after being on it for a while, the highs aren't as high, but the right. lows keep going down. 
and they yeah. feel worse and worse and, and they can never, they're always chasing that feeling again. And they yes. can never attain it. And I, I guess yeah, that's what you're talking about here as well. Yes. But with porn, you can you can get that same uh, first high again, but you have to go to something more novel, something mm-hmm. a little more extreme. So most of the porn addicts will say they're now watching things that they used to consider gross or 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 repulsive at the beginning. But now since their brain got used to the first porn, now their brain wants something different because it's, it's all they're chasing novelty, something you can't get in, in real life. So there's something a little more extreme and a little more extreme. And that's how these uh, people who um, get into this more of the illegal porn, that's how they start is because they're chasing that high. They're chasing that something that's more and more. And then once you get into illegal stuff, there's a whole um, mentality of I can't do it. So it's even more exciting because it's illegal. And oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Can you share some warning signs that we should be on the watch for? Not just in others, you know, because we'll, we'll get that in a minute, but let's start with our personal lives. How can a person know if they're they're having a problem with porn? That's a good question. And you have to define that for yourself, because I think most uh, most of the listeners will be Christian. And it's going to be kind of hard to find a Christian who says, yeah, porn's okay. Uh, it's, it's, it's going to be pretty hard. If you justify it, eh, you should maybe talk to somebody. Yeah, so yeah. any type of porn as a Christian is going to be kind of like, okay, that's a huge sign. So, But I have also ran into people who say, you know what, I, I, I watch porn twice a year. And on, you know, my wife makes a weekend trip to wherever and, uh, and like, and they're, they are, they're okay with that. Well, that, that's not okay. And um, so typically I would, I would say like the, the, some of the signs of addictions are anxiety when you're not around a computer, not around a device, noticing social isolation, you're choosing your computer over friends, com- your computer over socializing. And um then you get more and more depressed, like we talked about a little uh, depression when you're not around pornography, depression in general, and more and more extreme uh, pornography use, like we talked about earlier. And in your children, we have, let's see, um, if you notice a change in your children's behavior and changing their socialization patterns, uh, locking them wanting to be in the room more and more by themselves. Uh, those are all signs that something's going on. It may not be porn, but still, you should at least say have a conversation because something something's going something's going on here. Yeah, amen, amen. What about some warning signs that you, you just alluded to? Some of them, but that can be observed in spouses, friends, even pastors that might yeah. be red flags. Yeah, that one's a huge one because uh, pastors aren't immune to anything either, right? If if nothing else, they're attacked even harder. So yeah. and held to a higher standard. So um, there there was a study done, I believe, in 2018. 21 percent of youth pastors and 14 percent of pastors admit to struggling with porn, actively, mm. currently wow. struggling with porn. And um, so uh, the the pastors are, like I said, aren't immune to it and and are definitely. Um, struggle with it as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't necessarily know if there's any in different type of uh, warning signs mm. as far as because this is such a secret, such a uh, uh, easy to cover up disorder that yeah. some people don't show signs until it's too late. 
until, and oftentimes what we find is people want to get caught because it's going, they know it's wrong and they know there's that this is, shouldn't be doing it. So uh, subconsciously they'll leave their computer open or their, their unwanted website open in the background, ho- subconsciously hoping they would get caught because they need help stopping this. And this is actually a known thing, especially I was doing therapy with a person who struggled with voyeurism and the person would go to more and more extreme stuff. And and we kind of figured out hoping they would get caught because they knew it was wrong. They knew they didn't want to keep doing this, but they didn't know how to stop. So they eventually got caught because they were doing it right, right in the wide open. But that, that that was that's kind of the mentality, especially with people with strong convictions against it, like pastors. They know what's wrong, so they're, they're subconsciously you're hoping to get caught because I need to stop this and I need help, yeah. and they don't know how to ask for help. There's no where, where can a pastor go to, for help against pornography? I, I mean, they're risking their livelihood, their career, their reputation, everything, even if they say it out loud. Yeah. So that that's that's the shame involved in it. Amen. Amen. What about the person that's closest to you, your spouse? What should they be watching for and how should they handle this if they discover it? It's a good question. So most uh, most women we speak with um, view pornography as next to cheating on them. Like it's like emotionally cheating. And it's it's almost the truth. I mean, I can't can't, can't really argue with it. So um, with a partner, dis, uh, decreased interest in sex, uh, decreased interest in, in romance or some signs, um, and obviously the secrecy and, and uh, compulsive internet use or signs. Now, how a person should respond to that, it's hard to say. It's, I, I can't tell a person how to respond mm-hmm. to the convictions, and they just have to listen to themselves. Um, but if you're listening to this, chances are you you're a believer, you're a Christian. So uh, first step is to, to reach out for help, is to reach out to the local local pastors first, local, and then counselors. Uh, so therapy really is the gold standard for uh, pornography use disorder. And, and we definitely support that. So I do the medicine aspect, but I definitely support the, the therapy. That's, that is the gold standard. So cognitive behavioral therapy is really kind of the, the gold standard uh, coming up as a, as a close second is a, a therapy called motivational interviewing. It's really good for addictions as well. So that's step one is to get addictions. And then, then we have to talk about either decreasing, uh, eliminating internet use um, when there's no one around you know, yeah. by yourself. And then we have to talk consider adult content blockers on the internet, which I'm not opposed to accountability software, which is another great one. And, um, and then accountability partners, as far as someone to, to come in and ask those hard questions, somebody to, uh, you have to be vulnerable with. Mm, amen. Amen. You mentioned one of the things the spouse should be looking for is decreased sexual interest or activity. Correct. Does pornography steal intimacy or, you know, you'd think it would be used to enhance intimacy, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what a lot of people say. They they, they would want to watch pornography with their partner in order to um, have some more novel activities. But what pornography does is it gives you sex without intimacy. And and that's what steals the intimacy. It, it's uh, it makes sex more about the act 
and not unless about the connection and unless about the person. So uh, again, if your partner's wanting to try new things that are degrading, that uh, you find uh, degrading, that's another sign that say, hey, where, where did you where did you learn about this? Where, what, like, what's going on? This isn't okay. I'm not okay with it. And each partner should have their own boundaries. Mm-hmm. And those boundaries need to be respected. If you, if you don't feel comfortable doing something, you say that and, and have that person, your partner should respect those boundaries. Amen. Yeah, I agree. So does it pornography create unrealistic expectations in the bedroom? Absolutely. So uh, they, they're called porn actors and actresses for a reason. You and I know that, but a lot of the children watching it, they, they think this is real life. And so uh, you have all kinds of unrealistic expectations, especially with your partner. Uh, your, uh, oftentimes a partner will feel less than appropriate because the other partner is going elsewhere for sexual gratification. So the partner, you know, the self-esteem takes a hit. Am I not pretty enough? Am I not, uh, you know, not enough for this person? Yeah. So it affects your partner. But then uh, if uh, if a person watches porn, then their expectations of either doing some of replicating some of the activities viewed on porn, but also, uh, you know, having a, a your partner. Um, we, we talked about uh, aggression and, and violence towards women and and. Some of that stuff might be an expectation for for a person, and their expectations. I don't know how to say it. Um, we are editing this, right? No. <laughs> amen, amen. But it is for it is rated G. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Amen. Well. You know, we discuss how prevalent pornography is, how damaging it is to relationships and, and all that. But you specialize in treating porn addictions with medications. So how can porn addictions be treated with medications? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I was I was treating um, alcohol addiction and, and for years. And then I, I, over the course of about one month, I had about five guys t- come up to me for refills on their medication. And they said, I'm not really taking it for alcohol use anymore. I'm taking it for porn because it keeps me away from porn. And I really got to thinking, I was like, wow, that's really brave of them because porn is pretty shameful. And I, I talked to them and I got to, th- I got to researching. There's been several medical studies done on this medication that says it can be used for problematic pornography use for sex addiction, for internet sex addiction. And so then I, I was looking around for resources. All right. So where can I refer some of my patients to get, to get this medication? I couldn't find any place online. Anybody's doing this. And so then I was like, okay, well, well, let's go ahead and send you to your family doctor for this. Well, one, most people aren't going to admit their family doctor that they use porn all the time. And then two, even if they do, how many family doctors know about some of these studies that say, hey, you can use this medication? Well, most family doctors say, all right, let's get you into therapy. And and so then I talked to a colleague of mine and her and I uh, ended up starting this this company that uh, we provide telemedicine to all 50 states. Uh, and we provide two medications. First one is naltrexone. Naltrexone is FDA approved for alcohol use disorder and opiate use disorder. How it works for, for pornography is it does three things. One, it makes a person less impulsive overall. And then two, it helps to reduce intrusive thoughts about pornography. Hmm. And then three, the, the some probably the most the most effective thing is it limits the endorphin release 
from external activity. So typically the next follow-up question I get is, is it going to re- reduce endorphin release from fun things in life, like having sex with my spouse or yeah. hugging my family members or exercising? Yeah. Well, short answer is no. Uh, so what happens is uh, just like the Pavlovian theory on, on ringing a bell, feeding your dog, you open your computer, your brain already releases endorphins saying, okay, I know what the computer does. It watches mm-hmm. porn. So it already releases dopamine. It starts that snowball off. So this medication stops that snowball before it even gets started. So it's easier when you have to open your computer up for work and no one else is around. It's easy to easier to say, okay, I'm just going to do work now because it stops that snowball from going on. Okay. Pretty effective. It does not affect the libido. So that's a kind of a fan favorite for most married men, married individuals. Uh, the other one we use is citalopram. If a person is allergic to that, we can use sertraline. It's a standard antidepressant in the SSRI category. Almost 50% of the population are on different types of antidepressants. Very common. So we use it for pornography addiction for two reasons. One, it does help with anxiety. It helps to reduce the anxiety related to decreasing porn. It can be talked about if a person's anxious when they're not around porn, that this is a good one. But what um, what we do use it for is antidepressants are very commonly known for causing sexual dysfunction, decreasing libido. And this one's often used by singles. Uh, you know, people going to Christian colleges, things like that, that find themselves struggling with porn, they can get started on antidepressant. It lowers the libido, lowers their sexual interests. Good option. Mm, amen. Amen. I know you mentioned, you know, many men may feel a little self-conscious going to the family doctor and discussing getting this (laughs) medication but you say your organization does so online how does that work how does that work yeah so um like i said me and a colleague started we're both nurse practitioners so um we each each um state we practice and we have to get a license it's next to impossible for us to get all licenses in all 50 states too much of a headache. So we hired a third-party company with physicians, telemedicine company. So um, you you get all go to, go to our website. You fill out a medical questionnaire, and then depending on the state requirements, some states require a video visit. Other states require an audio visit. Some states just require your to for a doctor to look at your medical questionnaire, and they can send a prescription. So go to the website, fill out your medical questionnaire, put in your credit card info. Um, either a physician will contact you. You can request a physician to contact you if, if your state doesn't require it. And uh, if you're an appropriate candidate, the physician will prescribe it to you. And um, so it, it avoids the, the embarrassing visit to the doctor. Mm-hmm. And it also provides expert care in um, places that's uh, medical fields kind of undereducated on. Most people, um, I mean, most med schools don't focus on <laughs> pornography addiction. Uh, yeah, if, if yeah. you know, alcohol addiction, maybe a little bit, but opiate addiction. Yeah. Pornography addiction. That's, that's considered like a psychotherapy problem, not yeah. medic, med, medical problem. Amen. So if someone orders this medication, how long does it usually take before they see results and what would those results be? Yeah, good question. So um, the second medication, citalopram, antidepressant, could take about anywhere from two weeks up to eight weeks to start working. So that one's kind of more of a long, a longer buildup period for that one. And that one's going to be decreasing anxiety, decrease in, in libido, you know, sexual, uh, de- decreased interest in sex. Now, Trexone, oftentimes people will feel the difference within the first week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, um, all of the manufacturer and the study say, give it about four weeks. 
in my personal or professional experience, usually a week uh, is, is what it, what it will take. Um, and we can't adjust the dose for that one as well, but, um, Decreased interest, uh, decrease in intrusive thoughts about pornography is probably the bi- the biggest um, benefit that that a lot of our patients will say is um, they just by the time they they call us they're in such a bad place that they have intrusive thoughts about porn they don't even want to watch porn anymore and but all of a sudden these thoughts just ram into their head and and they can't help it. So the medication helps to reduce uh, the frequency and, and intensity of that. I mean, are there any side effects that they need to be aware of? Yeah, good question. So uh, nothing is without side effects. I say you drink water, side effect is you go pee. Like, so everything has a side effect. Um, naltrexone is a really broad spectrum, works for most everybody. Most people can tolerate it with minimal to no side effects. So, with, but with the people who do have uh, have to stop this medication because of side effects, it's typically uh, dizziness, um, GI upset, like uh, abdominal cramping, or cognitive impairment, just feeling like a brain fog, like they're they're aren't thinking as quickly. So, with the naltrexone, we do have you taper onto it because it does attach to some receptors in your intestines that can cause some abdominal cramping, some nausea. So for that reason, we have you taper onto it. Drinking lots of water will help to minimize that. The citalopram, common antidepressant, it can cause some loose stools at the beginning. It can cause uh, some rebound anxiety for the first week or so when you first get onto it. But again, most people can tolerate it fairly well. What do you mean rebound anxiety? What's that? Yeah. So um, what this does is it increases your serotonin levels. So, um, and sometimes the medication um, will give you a little boost of energy. Uh, So just like with caffeine, a boost of energy can actually make anxiety worse. As your body's getting used to this increased level of serotonin, there might be a couple of days there in the first week that I'm actually a little more anxious than what I was before because of that, the boost in serotonin that does go away as your body gets used to it. Usually only lasts less than a week. Oh, okay. Hey man, Isaiah, this has truly been interesting. I know it's been, like I said, before we started the recording, it's been a couple of years since I had a porn addiction expert on the program. And I believe you just opened the eyes of many new listeners that we have. How can someone get in touch with you if they have any questions or like more information? Yeah, so the website is noox.net. It says no-x.net. You can fill out a medical questionnaire and get the medication straight from there. But if you go to the About Me section, you can see I have a calendar open. Anybody can schedule a 10-minute consultation completely for free with me. We can talk about the medication. No obligation at all. But uh, we can kind of discuss it more if a person is kind of on the fence about it. Amen. Amen. I'll put the links to this down in the show notes below. Folks. As you heard, porn addiction is dangerous on so many levels. I mean, this nation has a porn addiction that's been covered up because really nobody wants to talk about how bad it really is. This hush-hush has contributed to the addiction growing to, for lack of a better word, but one that will get the point across, pandemic levels, right? And Isaiah Cruz is here to help anyone with this addiction. So use the link down below, get in touch with them, get in touch with no X no-x.net and and get this information get this under control reach out to isaiah and and take back your life amen get back in step with the lord on this now isaiah i want to thank you for all that you're doing to help those who really have no place else to go you know as we talked about 
between the Lord working with our heart and soul and you working with the physical body, men and women now have an option that's not been there before, really. That's the first time I've heard about this. So I want to thank you for doing this and coming on the program today to share all this information with our audience. I do appreciate it. Thank you. Amen. Folks, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, for Isaiah Cruz and myself, it's Pastor Bob reminding you, be blessed in all that you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do. Are you a Christian entrepreneur, coach, or author with a message that needs to be heard? Picture this, your voice reaching thousands, your story inspiring hearts, and your business flourishing like never before. Introducing Faithcasters, the ultimate platform that connects faith-driven professionals like you with the power of podcasting. Become a sought-after guest on Faith-Based Podcast. Share your unique insights and connect with like-minded individuals who share your passion for faith and entrepreneurship as well. Imagine your expertise reaching a wider audience, expanding your network, and propelling your business to new heights. Well, it's all within reach with Faithcasters. So don't wait. Take the first step today on your journey to greatness by visiting our website at faithcaster.org. That's faithcaster.org. Join the Faithcasters community now and unleash the full potential of your faith-driven enterprise. You do not want to miss this opportunity. Faithcasters, where faith meets podcasting and your dreams become reality. Visit faithcaster.org. Let's soar together. And remember, anyone can be a podcaster, but only a Christian can become a faithcaster. Faithcasters, your voice, your platform, your success.